the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. The following program has been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Here he is, Larry Rosenthal himself. Looking good, sir. Looking good. Well, good morning, Chris, and it's always good to see you. It is always a good time to be together and... Well, I don't know. I mean, this last week has been a little rough in the markets. I know you're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, but did you get all your Christmas shopping done? That's what I want to know. Christmas shopping? <laughs> Haven't you? <laughs> you know me. I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. I wait just a little bit till I get over. Yeah, no. The answer is really oh, just no. no. Yeah, well, you know, I've got uh, I've got the list. It's a long list this year. It I is. got you a top. Baby. On the very you're top, at the top. Yeah, okay. There you are. That's looking, exactly right. Looking yep, forward yep. to that. <laughs> yep, yep. So cool. I want you to go check your mailbox today, okay? Yeah, all right, bro. Uh, well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'd like to continue our longtime listeners in the D.C., Baltimore area on WAVA, as well as our, our, I guess we can call them longtime listeners now. It's been a handful of years, Chris, on Sirius XM uh, Family Talk, Channel 131, uh, Border to Border and Coast to Coast. Welcome. It's Open Mic Saturday. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning questions at all, any subject matter that you have on your mind. Uh, the market action from yesterday, boy, the oh market my. was positive and negative back and forth all day long based off the inflation news. You know, we hit inflation as the highest mark in about 40-some years. Mm. What does that mean mm. for your investments going forward? Are your investments in the right spots? Give us a call. Give us a question. We'll be happy to answer it. Questions on estate planning, financial planning, investment strategy, what's in your 401K, your Roth IRAs, whatever is on your mind, give us a ring today at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Well, I brought up the word, Chris, the big I word, right? Oh, you did. You said inflation. Here it is. Here it is. But we're going to get some real news on it next week. Or, yeah, next week, the, the 14th and 15th, when the Fed meets for their final meeting of the year. And they're going to be talking about 
their tapering program, and I don't know if they're going to give any insight as to interest rate movements or not. Probably not. Um, but well, you know, given what the market's the, doing, that would be dangerous, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, it could be. It could be. But you know, this this Fed um, is very transparent. Likes to forecast some of its moves. Um, which, you know, on one hand is kind of good. On the other hand is kind of, uh, well, all right, we'll see how it goes because it leaves it open to a lot of subjectivity too. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my point is this, though, that we are actually in a period of change right now. We've been talking about this all year long, and it's arrived right now. It has arrived where the Fed has changed its commentary from inflation being transitory to inflation being, you know, well, we got to get rid of that transitory word is what they basically said, Okay. So what are they going to do? We're we're anticipating that this coming week they will mention their bond tapering program, and they're probably going to double up the amount of bonds that they're not going to be buying anymore, Mm -hmm. which will send the trajectory down to where that program will probably stop sometime in the early spring, maybe March, April time frame, depending on how things go between now and then. And then very quickly the question will become, when are you going to raise interest rates, and what are we going to do about that? You know, in the scheme of things – we can sit down and we can say interest rates are at 0 to 0.25% right now. So if they raise them from 025 to a half a percent, mm-hmm. that's not devastating in the economy, is it? Mortgages aren't going to skyrocket back to the 80s where you got 15% interest rates and things like that. That's not going to happen, okay? What the Fed is going to have to try to do is try to beat down, <clears throat> excuse me, beat down the inflation pressures that we have by tightening the economy a little bit. They're going to try and do it without stalling the economy and pushing it over into a recession. That's called a soft landing. So you're going to start hearing people talking about all this, stuff, all these terms, soft landing. Can the Fed get inflation under control, give us a soft landing so we don't go into a recession or get into a stall of any type, and then we'll start running, uh, you know, start growing again at that particular point. I'm, I'm optimistic that they can pull this off. Others might not be so. We'll wait and we'll see how it all comes out. You know, the December number, the January number, and the February numbers on inflation, we'll have to see where they are. You know, the the inflation for November hit the exact expectation number that they were looking for in the forecast. So they've got, they seem to have a pretty good grip on it as far as the analysts go, you know, knowing where things are. Again, what does this mean? Obviously, if the, if the economy gets too tight, stocks will drop a little bit because that will affect corporate earnings. Again, if the Fed just gives us a nice, easy glide path down to a soft landing over the over 2022, might might be pretty good news for the market. So we'll wait and see. A lot of places are starting to come out with their expectations on the markets. Some people are saying no growth next year. Other people are saying, you know, hey, we could see another double-digit year next year. We'll just have to wait and see exactly wow. how it plays out. The important thing is now moving into a different economic backdrop. You really need to ask yourself the questions. What do I own in my investments? What's inside my mutual funds? How's that stock program designed? What about my ETFs? Should I be looking at passive management or active management right now inside my funds? What's the story moving into this new backdrop of, in, of inflation and a tightening Fed that's going to be coming up? It's going to change things in your investment portfolios. Hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. We're going to keep the phone lines open here. Give us a call. It's Open Mic Saturday. Listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. 
Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. A day or two ago. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Nationwide and coast-to-coast from sea to shining sea, call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Uh, with Larry Rosenthal here in studio, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Just kind of a follow-up to that last segment, Larry, when we were talking there. Does does that change um, make us to need to be a little bit more conservative in our investments because things are a little bit volatile in the inflation uh, front? Well, it depends, Chris, on when you're going to need money. Mm. Okay? And it depends on... on on how you view things with it all. You know, if you go through it, if, if the economy stalls and rolls over into a recession, which I don't believe it's going to, but if it does, and that in recession is the average length of, you know, about 14, 15 months in, in time, then some people are going to say, well, wait a minute here. These stocks are still good. These stocks that mm. I own, these mutual funds that I own, these ETFs that I own, these sectors that I'm in, are still good. It's just a temporary business slowdown at the hands of a of a economic tightening of a monetary of a change in monetary policy. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that I own before this change happened is still good. I don't need this money for quite some time down the road, especially if you're in a non-IRA account, right? A non-qualified account, you could sell out, pay some taxes only to turn around and rebuy this stuff again somewhere down the road, right? You know, so so there's a lot of different philosophies on it. Other people are going to say, no, no, let's time this. Let's mm-hmm. sell it out high and then hope it goes down and rebuy at the bottom. That works out 
almost never for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, okay, unfortunately, um, you know. But if you're in, a, if you're close to needing income, or you're in an income distribution uh, part of your of your life right now, then you should have your money prepared for this type of a scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, this is the doom and gloom. This is the glass half empty conversation, right? Let's flip it around to the glass half full conversation, okay? And take a look at at what you own. You know, how do you, you know, again, what you own, you, you should have quality investments all the time unless you want to take a whole lot of unnecessary risk. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. People do take a little bit of their money and swing for the fences in certain ideas and themes and companies and stuff like that. And that's fine. It's a lot of fun, too, you know. But the, 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 the question you asked, there's so many different answers to it and so many different ways to really take a good look at it. Uh, most people don't like to lose money, even if they still have a long-term view, even if it's a short-term loss on paper. Mm. Nobody likes that, right? As a matter of fact, surveys show that people dislike losing more than they like winning from that standpoint, right? Wow, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And You can't get emotional about this, you know. Uh, lots of questions right now towards the year end to be asking yourself or your financial advisors. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is your investment philosophy? That's a great question. Kind of what you're kind of, kind of getting at here, Chris, is, you know, what's your investment philosophy in this new backdrop of an economic change that we're going into a tightening cycle with high inflation? How is that going to affect growth? What happens if Build Back Better program or parts of it pass and there's increase in taxes? How is all that going to affect corporate earnings? On the other hand, maybe it won't. Maybe it won't pass. Maybe the taxes won't be too bad. Maybe inflation will start to subside once supply chains get back online. All these different things are going to play out. So so you have to really sort of go through these next several months and be very, very picky with what you own and be on top of all of these different movements and the economic data that comes out every day. That's going to help to shape your current short-term investment philosophy about what's happening now. Long-term investment philosophy hasn't changed. Long-term, markets most likely will continue to rise, right, because that's what they've always done. They've always come back, okay? And, and so, so you really have to stop and say, where am I in time right now with this change in the market as far as do I need income today? That's the big thing, you know? Gotcha. Um, uh, uh, again, going into this type of a change, is it better to index or to have active management? Boy, there's all kinds of information out there now talking about maybe active management is a little bit better if it, if it turns out to be what we would call a stock picker's market where you've got to find stocks and mutual funds that have, make, that have stocks in them that make sure they have rock-solid balance sheets, real customers, real earnings, and they can still grow through a slowdown if we have that slowdown. That's my point. So we need to be prepared. We need to x-ray what our holdings are and make sure they're in alignment with not only your short-term and long-term goals, but alignment with the new backdrop in monetary policy of a tightening cycle. This changes things. I'm telling you, it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been you know, a, lot of, you know, a lot of good investment returns over the last several years. And now we're getting into not such an accommodated uh, Fed scenario. At least those are the rumors. We'll wait to see what they actually have to say next week. Again, I'm not doom and gloom. What I'm trying to do is educate and explain to people, you know, what you need to be looking for inside your investments. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Go ahead and welcome Renee on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Renee. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. 
Absolutely. How can I help you? Yeah. What's your thought on fixed index annuities? I've heard that's a good way in retirement to minimize risk but uh, maximize income. So, so here's my thoughts on on annuities, and then I'll give you my thoughts on a fixed income indexed annuity. Okay. There's three types of annuities. There's a fixed annuity. Then there's an indexed annuity, which I believe that's where your question centers around. And then there's variable annuities. So the primary investment objective, Renee, of an annuity is to guarantee a minimum amount of, of income for life. That's the, that's the purpose of an annuity, okay? And they all go about doing it very similar but a little different. And when you state a an indexed annuity gives you the ability to have um, um, down, downside protection and maximum income, well, you have to take a look at how the growth of the account is credited. And in an indexed annuity, there's a lot of caps. So one of the ways that the indexed annuity works is if the markets are going down, you don't lose any money in most of them. Okay, now I have to see the specifics in what the one you're looking at. But in most of them, Renee, you don't lose any principal. On the other hand, when the markets are going up, you participate slightly in the upside, but not fully. The market may do 10% in the course of a year. You may end up getting anywhere from 3 to 6% during that year, depending on if it's a point-to-point crediting contract or if it's a monthly index with caps and things of that nature. So a lot of it, what's going to drive your ultimate income down the road is very, very dependent on how the crediting math works in that indexed annuity, and they do it differently. I've seen many of these over the years, Renee, and it's, it's vitally important to, to understand how they're being credited. And if you're looking at an indexed annuity, you want to get into one that gives you the options of four or five different ways to have your money credited with interest. Does that make sense? That's the most important part of this thing, okay? So I don't know what contract you're looking at. We have people in our office that can can step you through that. It's really important because I've seen, seen, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm, uh, a, a new client of ours brought an indexed annuity to the table and said, hey, can you look at this thing? And their crediting has been capped severely. And so we got talked to the insurance company. We're going to change the crediting mechanism inside of it and, and help them get, get a little bit better return. So, so you've got to understand that, that the math behind your income is going to be driven down the road by, by the crediting math inside of it as well as if there's an income protection rider on that contract or not. So um, I've got a whole kit of, of, of explanations on all of this stuff. If you like, I'll be more than happy to put you on hold. Bob will get your information. We'll have somebody reach out to you next week and give you some more uh, educational material on the differences in the annuities and specifically to see how your money is to be credited inside of the account. Well, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Hey, it's open mic Saturday. Any questions at all, annuities, estate planning, taxes, all different types of things, the Wall Street, P.E. ratios, whatever's on your mind this morning, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. 855-767-3123. Let's go ahead and welcome, this is Walter on the line from Georgia. Good morning, Walter. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir? I want to 
wanted to ask you, uh, in light of the uh, trillions of dollars uh, being printed by our government, and if uh, what your thoughts are on buying gold or precious metals, and what the best way to buy them would be if you're in favor, and, and also if you have time, what you think about cryptocurrencies. Sure. So, so gold and precious metals and things like that, you know, they're materials, and, and they've always been a hedge against inflation. Now, we've seen gold run up tremendously uh, this past year. Historically, though, it doesn't keep pace with, with the, the regular, the broader stock market, the S&P 500. Uh, gold does not pay a dividend, but in, in, in times of inflationary pressures, gold does well. Commodities do tend to do well. And then you put on top of that the possibility, which seems to be a very strong possibility, we have to wait and see, right, about infrastructure spending, you know, materials, industrials, things like that. All of that wrapped into that sounds like it's, it could be a very good uh, uh, allocation mix, mixture. How to go about buying gold? Well, there's a few different ways, uh, Walter, to, to purchase gold. You can purchase gold coins by themselves from, like, a collector standpoint. Um, I, you know, there, there's commissions that are charged to buy that and then to sell it again. I, I'm not a big fan of that just personally. I would rather you just buy, the, uh, you know, a, a, uh, an ETF or a mutual fund that has gold and precious metals inside of it. You know, it, it, and, and then that way you can get in and out of it efficiently. You, when it's time to do so, you can add more money and not have to worry about transaction-oriented type costs. Well, depending on how you get into it uh, with, with the funds and ETFs and stuff like that. You know, but from an educational standpoint, that's the 10,000-foot that's the view of, of the big picture on it. And whenever there's, there's tax change, okay, whenever there's tax change, we have to really take a good solid look at opportunities in certain areas to move away from and opportunities in area um, um, to, 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 to uh, move away, move towards and then to move away from. You know, whenever there's change with the Fed or taxes, there's always different change in investment strategies, you know. And, and that, that kind of reminds me, you know, you, 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 you know, you take a look at in Ecclesiastes 11, verses 2, you know, chapter 11, verse 2. It says, divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on earth. That's talking about diversification, right, with your assets. What's the difference between in diversifying your assets in precious metals or the S&P 500 versus tax allocation? You know, I have talked for years and years about tax allocation strategies, Walter, and, and <clears throat> the IRS views our money through four different tax lenses, right? And today it's no different. Now the tax landscape could change. Most people think it will, all right? And so when it does tax allocation strategy becomes vitally important and we need to break that down and people need to really understand how to put the money into the four different tax buckets so appreciate your phone call walter i'm going to put you on hold here and we're going to send you out our financial planning toolkit and talk about a lot of diversification in different sectors and you know there's times to own certain things and times to move away from certain things and the times as bob dylan says boy they are a changing a little bit when it, when it comes to diversification, especially in the tax area. So appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Natalie on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Natalie. How are you today? Um, I actually uh, quite have a question for – this is actually for my mother. Um, she's retiring soon, and she has an option of 
um, whether to take a lump sum payment for, I guess it would be like the equivalent of her 401, um, some kind of an investment plan that she was in over the years. So she had the option of either taking a lump sum payment and, of course, being taxed on whatever her gains were from the, um, from the investment or getting a partial uh, lump sum payment and then rolling over part of that into, like, I guess, an IRA, a Roth IRA or rolling the entire thing into a, a Roth IRA. And the other piece to that is that she wants to, um, quote, leave some um, some of this money to her grandchildren. And so she's really just trying to understand what's the best way to be able to do that and minimizing her tax liability. So, Natalie, lots of questions baked in there. And let me just sort of give you the lay of the land here. When, you're, when your mom chooses the lump sum of this, it can roll over tax-free into an IRA, okay? Once it's inside okay. that IRA, now – she can choose to convert pieces of it to Roth, and she has to pay taxes on that, okay? The IRA okay. can give her a stream of income. That'll be taxable to her. If she chooses not to take a rollover, whether it's a 100% lump sum rollover or 50% lump sum rollover or whatever, and she just takes the pensionable income from the source, then that money's all going to be taxable to her there as well when it comes out each okay. month in the form of income. Now, the risk there is that if she were to pass without beneficiaries named on it, then then you know lots of money could be lost to the family. So most people go ahead and take a rollover, put it into their IRA, and then if they have desires and needs to move it to Roth, then they go ahead and convert pieces of it each year to minimize the tax impact each year to move it to Roth. That way she can leave tax-free money to her heirs. All while that's happening, the IRA can be distributing income to her for her needs, okay? Because it sounds like to me she wants to sort of hit two scenarios. She wants to leave money to the grandchildren, but she also may need some income during retirement years. Is that correct? Yes. Yep, that's the exact process that she needs to go through, okay? Now, if she were to take this lump sum, whether it's fully or 50% of it, and move it out of the source now into a Roth IRA, all of that's going to be taxed to her right now. So what we usually mm-hmm. recommend for people to do is to consider rolling it to a traditional IRA where it's completely tax-free and then sitting down and do the tax computations and say, okay, this year we're going to convert 17% of it to Roth. Next year we're going to convert 22% of it to Roth or whatever it may be, because we want to make sure that, you know, because your mom is most likely on Medicare, right, we don't want to blow through the Medicare IRMA tax where she has to pay an additional premium now on her Medicare, right? And then there's the 3.8 tax, depending on how much money we're talking about, too. So we want to minimize the taxes and maybe spread them out over the handful of years. So that's really the process that, that she needs to look at and go through. And then just as I was talking to a caller earlier this morning, what's going to drive the success inside that portfolio is really the makeup of the investments, the mutual funds, the ETFs, the stocks. You know, we need to, we need to make sure that the account is filled with investments that give her reliable income from dependable sources, and then again in the most tax-efficient manner year by year taking a look at, especially with if tax changes on the horizon are going to be prevalent. So um, if you like, Natalie, I'll be happy to have one of our advisors reach out to you one day next week and maybe take a deeper dive into the situation and give you some more education on it all. 
that would be great. That would be excellent. Okay, let me go ahead and put you on hold, and Bob will get some of your contact information, all right? And then we'll have one of our advisors reach out and, and uh, give you give you a little bit better step through the whole process. Appreciate the phone call. Good morning, Elsa. How are you? Good morning, Larry. Uh, I just want to thank you for all the great advice you give to everybody. That's, that's well, very thank good. you very much. I appreciate that. And, and my question is very simple, maybe sound a little, a little um, strange, but... Uh, I have heard a lot, uh, a lot of rumors, a lot of things. Um, what, what I was um, kind of seeing very prevalent is that uh, the the best uh, investments go in the technologies now. I just want your input about that. Well, technology, Elsa, is is definitely an asset class, and and you know it's it's one that has led the way for quite a number of years, and probably will continue to be a leader. You know, when you take a look at the, the ability to, to move information and to learn and to move goods and services back and forth around the globe, technology plays a vital role in that. And there's different right. sectors in technology, you know, semiconductors, um, telecom, right. you know, just all different things like that. And so it's not a bad idea to have a piece of your assets in the technology sector as well as other sectors. You want to be diversified but not too diversified. So you want to be in places that that's sort of rising, you know, and, mm -hmm. and taking a look at things. So, I, I, yeah, you don't want to speculate. I, I agree with that, definitely. Uh, you know, measure twice and cut once when you're looking to buy something. Um, mm -hmm. If you want, I'll be happy to have one of our advisors review what you're doing and maybe give you some ideas on it. Okay, yeah, that would be great. Okay, well, let me place you on hold, and Bob will get some of your contact information, and we'll have someone reach out to you next week to talk to you about, um, you know, what you're currently doing and, and take a look at it and maybe give you some help, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Absolutely. I appreciate the phone call. You have a great day. Hi, Mildred. I already have a will, and I already have a trust, but I'm wondering if I need to do new ones now and if I can do that through your office. It is wise every once in a while, every handful of years or so, to take a look at your will and trust, see if it does need updating. I'm not an attorney, but we do work with different attorneys um, that I can refer you over to. Uh, there's one on my website. If you go visit LarryRosenthal.com and click on our team, you'll see Mary Lawrence. Uh, we use her a lot with a lot of our clients. Um, so, you know, if you've had... Uh, a desire to change beneficiaries, change amounts, or if there's been a, uh, a marriage or a new birth or something like that, then um, it's a good idea to, to take a look at updating. Oh, okay. Now, my only question right now, I'm sure I have a million of them, but my only question right now is I have listed two charities, 5% to each, and if I put that TOD and POD on everything, then what's left to give them their 5%? Well, you just break it up. Um, you, you can do, if you're doing a TOD on somebody, uh, you can give them 95% and the charity 5%, right on the form. In the TOD? Yes, ma'am. You ma can do that? Yep. Oh, okay. So I don't remember if I did that when I did it before or not. It's been 10 years or something since I did my will and trust. 
It probably won't hurt to pull it out again and take a look at it, but if you like, I can uh, refer you over, or Bob can get your information and refer you over to uh, one of the attorneys that we use. What state okay, are you so calling you're from? Okay, so you're mostly for the financial end, your company. Yes, we do, we do wealth management. Because today you seem to, seem to have mostly questions on estates today, and that so is that's why I was confused. Yes, ma'am, that is correct. Part of uh, financial planning is estate planning, you know, um, and so we refer clients to attorneys to get their wills and trust and things like that done. Oh, okay. So I could call that Mary Lawrence. Uh -huh. Is she taking over the phone to this time? Yes. Oh, okay. I guess most everybody is, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, she she may have clients come in. I, I don't really know. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I didn't have anything specific, but I just was in general wanting to know. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio today. Larry. Sure, Chris. So, you know, let's just kind of dive deep into the weeds real quick. Nah, the weeds? You, you feel like doing that? <laughs> sure, why not? You know, we'll lose some people, but that's okay. <laughs> the weeds it's are the weeds. It's not too hard. It's not too hard. So we're talking inflation. We've talked inflation. Everybody's feeling it, right? I'm even driving by the gas stations now and looking at the prices. Oh, yeah, sticker right? shock. Okay, sticker shock. Going, which one's got what, you know, and all that kind of stuff, right? Oh, so when it's fifty dollars so, or more to fill up your tank, you're kinda of like, huh? What's going yeah, on here? Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, what are the expectations? What's something that we can look at to figure out the expectations of inflation going forward? Is there something that can give us some sort of leading information on that? Is there something that we can, you know, lift up the hood of the car and see what's in the engine? Because you're hearing people all over the place, oh, inflation is going to do this, inflation is going to do that. Nobody but you can knows, take a look yeah. at some data. You can take a look at the five-year Treasury yield, okay, and subtract out the five-year TIPS yield, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities yield. And that's the expected inflation rate over the next five years. Oh. So that, that'll give you a good idea of, of it being where, you know, of what expected inflation is going to be. And that, that, today that mass right around 3%. Okay. Okay. Um, over the next five years, uh, now there are people saying, "Nope." You know, I've already seen some some expectations of it being at four point two at the end of next year, but over five years, maybe it continues to climb back down again. You know, as we continue to in, employ more and more technology in our in our lifestyle, in a business and personal lives, and things like that, technology from all sorts, that's a deflationary pressure, and I don't see technology going away. No. <laughs> okay. And that, that creates deflationary measures, which is kind of a good thing. You know? So, so we're, we're talking at the top of the show about the different sectors that you may want to be in during different types of economic change, right? What are some of the sectors? Well, boiling it down or taking a 10,000-foot view of, of different sectors, you've got three basic, well, what we call super sectors out there, and then maybe 11 subsectors or baby sectors, if you will, within the three super sectors. The first one would be cyclical. So the first sector are cyclical stocks. The second sector are sensitive stocks. And the third sector are defensive stocks. 
So an example of, of a cyclical sector stock would be something that gets significantly impacted by, you know, economic shifts. Gee, the Fed moving into a tightening cycle. That's an economic shift, wouldn't you say? You know, so there are industries that do poorly there and industries that do well. Some cyclical sectors that you may want to look at in the subsector part of it is, is basic materials, um, consumer cyclical stocks, you know, sectors like retail stores, auto manufacturers, um, residential construction, lodging facilities, things like that. Financial services, you know, banks, insurance companies, uh, and real estate. They tend to do well when there's, uh, uh, you know, industrial or, 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 you know, significant impacts to economic shifts, things of that nature. So, so, you know, there's always a place, no matter what the backdrop is, to be able to invest money. The sensitive sectors, you know, these are, these are sectors that sort of ebb and flow with the overall economy. Gee, we're getting inflation, which means the economy is still expanding. It's just expanding at a faster, faster rate, right, than what we had hoped for. So communication services, industrials, technology, energy, those are places that are sensitive to how the overall economy is doing. If the economy is fearful that it's going to stall or roll into a recession, then your sensitive type stocks that I just talked about probably wouldn't fare that well. But if the economy looks like it's going to push through and continue to expand and grow, then your sensitive overall stocks would probably perform, which is what we've been seeing over the last several years anyway. And then, of course, your defensive stocks. These are, are, are relatively, well, I want to say not totally immune, but relatively immune to different economic cycles, you know, consumer defensive. Uh, healthcare, utilities, things like that. So, so there's always a place, no matter what the economic backdrop is, whether it's change one way or the other, that you can find a spot for your money to be invested in. Uh, like I was telling somebody, you know, you're, you're, you still have opportunities to make money. It just may be in different places. That's all. If all this stuff plays out, right? Now, on the other hand, you know, this economy is rip-roaring. It really is. You know, um, corporate earnings are coming in very, very strong. They have so far this year, and the estimates for next year look strong too. And that's the number one reason people buy stock to begin with. So there's a lot of financial noise out there. I should pull up this old thing. I, 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 I published a, a piece once on the difference between financial fact and financial noise. Okay, and there's a lot of financial noise out there these days. So bottom line here is take a look at what's inside your financial plan. Take a look at how your investments are, are, are moving, are pulling in the same direction of your financial plan for college savings, for retirement planning, for whatever it may be that you have in your, in your future, for estate planning, for tax efficiencies, um, and then you can find spots for your investments. So, let, me, hey. let me pick your brain just a minute on some of that, uh, just out of curiosity. Um, say you talk all the time about uh, when you, closer in time you are to needing your money, that's where it needs to be a little bit more conservative over time, right? Is that, Correct. Is that how you kind of set up, uh, let's say, cash? I know you've talked over over the years about uh, putting cash in somewhere where it can grow a little bit. Obviously, it's because you need to be able to get to it quickly and it's liquid. What are the best ways to, to take care of cash in the short term? Is that like a, I think you've talked about floating rate funds and, and things of that nature. Is that still a good place for that kind of thing? Well, today, interest rates are so low at the bank, Chris. Money market accounts, savings accounts, checking accounts. You know, you're, you're, you might be getting 0. 0.4, yeah, 0.5, nothing. or yeah. zero in a lot of these things. And you're definitely not outpacing inflation, right? That's right. 
So, so the next question is, think about it as far as steps go. Then you take one step away from the bank, you would go into some bond funds. And there's a couple different types of bond funds in a rising interest rate environment that will do better than others. You know, and those yields are close to 3% right now. They're mm. completely liquid. You can put money in and pull money out the next day, uh, depending on the type of an account that you have with them. And so, so there's a way that you can use some of your cash reserves to still get a little bit of interest on them. Sure. You know, sure. and then you can you can take two steps away from the bank door and get a little bit more. And, and, and the further away from the bank you get, obviously, the more volatility and risk there is. But, yes, no, there's there's parking spaces or the parking parking places for these types of monies. Definitely. Across the way, ways you get uh, away. across the board with yeah. without a doubt. We all see right. this all the time with clients. Yep. Very good. Very good. Thanks for that. Yeah, see, let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. Give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. You can reach me with live with any of your financial planning or investment questions. It's open mic Saturday, which I love. No questions at all are, are barred. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. You're listening to Making Money Sense, and we'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be this gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares you want to keep buying more and more shares over time on the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. It's time we hung some tinsel on that
Proverbs 11.4 says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 16.16, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. You know, seek the Lord and not necessarily, um, you know, material objects basically here. And we're talking a lot about money on this show, creation of wealth. God's the one who gives us the ability to create wealth. And we need to do it with stewardship in mind. How are we going to use this to further his kingdom? You know, what what stewardship principles are we bring into the table? Remember, it's the Lord who controls it all anyway, and it's his to begin with. So got a lot of questions this this uh, over the last couple of weeks about required minimum distributions. You know, last year, required minimum distributions in 2020 were, you know, give, given a, a, a pass. But this year, no. You have to take your 2020 uh, mandatory required minimum distributions from your IRAs this year. And remember, it's at age 72. If you're 72 this year, that's the deal. So, so uh, you know, you have to do your required minimum distributions. There's lots of questions and, and unfortunately confusion out there because last year there was no uh, required distribution because of COVID-19. But this year you have to take your required minimum distributions. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome Lavana. Is this Lavana on the line from Michigan? Good morning, Lavana. How are you today? I am good. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. How um, can I help you? Yeah, I just have a question. I'm, I'm kind of in a little dilemma. Um, I own a home that I'm renting to my little sister, which I know it's terrible. You should never rent family. But um, they were evicted, getting evicted, and they have five kids, and I had a home. So um, anyway, the deal was uh, I didn't want to make any money off of her because she's my sister, and she paid merely what I would pay if I lived there. So she pays the taxes, her water, mortgage, and everything. Well, now it's been three years. The home needs maintenance. Um, I have to put money into it. So I need to increase her rent, and I'm feeling terrible about it. And I know that they have the money now to buy their own home with the stimulus and having five kids, but they're not interested in leaving. So I'm trying to give them an offer to either buy it from me or help me put it into an LLC because they want trampoline, they want pools, and these things scare me because I could lose insurance. So I guess I'm just looking for direction. Do I do I increase their rent um, like by 1000 or by 500 to cover insurance because I'm going to have to increase my liability. Right? So are you just, willing to put a pool and a trampoline in for them? No, they want they already bought so they bought a trampoline and I saw it. I caught it. They bought it for their kids for Easter and they haven't put it up yet. I've seen it in the box in their garage because I just happened to go over there for something <laughs> and I'm like we talked about this two years ago, um, and I told her I believe I'd be canceled, and um, I will be calling my insurance to find out. Um, yeah, so, Lavana, you want to make sure that you on your homeowner's insurance that they understand it's a rental property and that you have an umbrella liability policy on that on that home, okay? You can get one right. for one, two, three, five million dollars if you like. They're not that expensive. There's several hundred dollars okay. a year. Okay, and and, and uh-huh. so talk to your property and casualty company about that. Uh, as far as you know, wanting to <clears throat> increase the rent, and as far as you know, the home needs maintenance and repairs. That's just really a conversation. You know, you 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 in in a normal 
rental ar arrangement, you would have a lease signed with somebody, and there would be an escalation clause. You know, rents go up over time, right? Cost of goods right. and services go up over time. So, so that's to be reasonably expected. You know, your taxes and insurance has probably gone up over the last three years, but yet you've yes. kept your sister's um, um, uh, rent the same. You, you've helped them out. So, so you know, it, it's not unreasonable that if you need to do maintenance on the home that you say, listen, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm trying to keep this rent down as much as possible, but the home needs upkeep. So I need to do this, and I need to have a conversation with you about increasing, you know, the 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 monthly rental payment, and and that's reasonable, I think, if you approach it that way. I don't know all the family dynamics or anything like that, but at the same right. time, remember too, you know, as the property values are going up, you're the one who's harvesting the the growth inside the equity as well. So. You know, it's going right. to be a delicate conversation, but I think from, you know, two reasonable um, uh, people getting together would, would understand that type of a conversation. That's how I would approach it right there. But having it uh, as a rental, it should be in an LLC, and, and you should okay. have uh, an umbrella policy sitting on top of it as well. That would be, well, that's that would what be I the suggestion. To know. I appreciate that. I didn't know if the LLC would protect me from a lawsuit if someone got injured on a trampoline. So, but well, it's the umbrella it, policy I need. Yeah, and I would look at doing both too. You know. Okay. Um, right. Yep. Def definitely. So. Okay. All right. I sure will. Thank you so much for your help. Have a great day. Absolutely. You too. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five. Seven six seven three one two three. It is open mic Saturday. We're covering all the questions here. Whatever questions you may have on mortgages, real estate, taxes, four hundred one k retirement planning, estate planning, taxes, whatever it may be. Let's welcome Lynn on the line from Houston. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? I am awesome. How about you? I'm doing well. Doing well. How can I help you today? So I was just listening to, to what you were saying. So I have some extra cash, and I have a full-time job, and I put 23% uh, pre-tax into my 401K. I also have four part-time 1099 jobs, and so I have $50,000 just sitting in the bank, what you were talking about. And so my question is, can I put more into my 401K would that benefit me from a tax perspective, or should I open an SEP, um, and would that give me additional tax write-offs? I'm looking for the best way to reduce my taxable income um, possible and grow my money. Sure, Lynn. So, so first of all, you can put money into your 401K, but it can only come out of your paycheck. So if you have earned income at an employer, you can talk to the employer and say, hey, what percentage of my income can I put in? Let's suppose you make $70,000 a year, just as an example, okay? So you're making $70,000 a year, and they say, well, you can put in up to the federal guideline limits, which is about 26000 if you're over 50. Correct. Okay. Yeah, we did so, that. Mm -hmm. Yep, so if that's the case, you've maxed it out. That's, right. that's max. There's nothing else you right. can do. On, on that scenario if you've already maxed it out. 
Then the next step is you have self-employment income. So yes, now you can also look at putting money into uh, some IRAs. However, there's limits on what you're over, on how much you can deduct based off of your uh, uh, income and whether or not you participate inside an employer's plan. There's a little tax chart that I have that I can send out to you that actually has a little matrix that, that explains, well, if you're going to put money in a SEP and you do a 401K, here's how much you can do or you can't do based off of your income levels and things like that. I can send that out to you if you like, and that'll that'll clearly answer your questions on, on all the different uh, uh, scenarios that you want to follow up on. But to, but to get to the, to the main point, the 401k tax shelter or a SEP tax shelter, SEP as you called it, or an IRA, that's not what's going to drive your, your performance in your investment account. Those are just basically accounts that say, hey, government, treat this pile of money according to the rules and regulations of, of SEPs or IRAs or 401ks. What you have to look at is the internal uh, investments inside there. So on this $50,000 of extra cash that you have, now the question becomes, what is you and your family's goals with that money, Lynn? Do you want it to grow for five years down the road and then start producing income for you? Do you need it to produce income for you now? Is this money that you want to say, you know what, I'm not too sure. I want to get some growth. Maybe it will be an inheritance. Maybe it will be supplemental retirement income. Those are the scenarios that that you have to sort of, of unpack. And then that can tell you how the dollar should be invested or not invested. And then take a look at the different tax preferences, you know, as far as getting tax-deferred growth on it or tax-efficient stocks and ETFs inside of it since it may not be inside of a tax-sheltered plan. So there's a lot of conversation right there to drill down on on for you. But I'll be happy to send you out the the, the uh, tax program that or the uh, – uh, 401k SEP program that I just talked about there, and then we can have someone talk to you about the the investment objectives that you want to have. Because if you've already maxed out your 401k, you want to take the best investments there, and then money that's outside your 401k, you want to sort of allocate around those. You don't want to have double, um, you know, diversification. You want to have good diversification. So the dollars that are outside of your 401k, you take a look at investing them in different areas that complement what's going on inside your 401k. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I and I also contribute to um, an after tax. Is it a, a Roth after tax? Would it would it be beneficial to just take some of that money and just invest it straight in into stocks? So so inside the Roth or the 401K or whatever, you can have stocks and mutual funds and bonds and annuities. You can have all that stuff. You can even do options tradings in there. So so putting it in, quote-unquote, stocks inside a Roth or outside a Roth, that's basically what you're saying is the engine that's going to drive the rate of return. I'll tell you what I'll do, Lynn. I'm going to go ahead and put you on hold. Bob will get some of your contact information, and we'll, we'll have someone follow up with you next week to give you more details on all of this that we can go into on the radio here, okay? I really appreciate it, and God bless you, and have an amazing day. You too. Appreciate it. Let me put you on hold here. For Chris McKay and in, in, on the mic here with me and Bob in the back doing the phones, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. Merry Christmas. God bless, and we'll be back next Saturday with more Making Money Sense.
WAVA is your 24-hour-a-day Bible study. Always. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.